0: As publishers, we all know the way to reach an audience is by anticipating demand and getting ahead of its peak by providing timely value. However, do AI-assisted features help aid the user's journey to purchase? As part of the special WordPress 7-part teardown series, Jeremy Fremont and Vahia Rabian explore Macworld, your source for all things Apple and one of the leading industry news sites. Over to you guys. Hi guys, and welcome to the 7 publishing's special Tear down WordPress Teardown Podcast Edition. I've got with me uh, Jeremy Fairmont from Multidots. And so we're starting off with Macworld. So what is Macworld? Uh, we can see from the web, I've got the page up, and I guess what we can see here is um, there, everything and everything related to the world of Apple, providing news, deals, reviews, and tips around their respective products. Now let's go a little bit more deep dive. Jeremy, what 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 did you notice when you started to look into Macwell itself?
1: Yeah, I mean, so uh, one of the things I always love doing is checking out different websites and just being able to understand, you know, what they're doing well and what could they use as far as some improvement. And so on Macworld, I've only myself entered into the Apple world over the course of about the last year. And so this isn't a website that I've spent a huge amount of time on, but I know that there's a huge amount of people around the world, right? Who are Mac advocates. So anything and everything Mac, they're going to love, they're going to want to consume all of this information. So I believe, right? Macworld.com is one of the largest publishers in the space. There's a few other competitors, but they're one of the big 800 pound gorillas. Would you agree?
0: Yeah, they're the top three, and we'll, we'll definitely show some of the stats soon about that as well. I think they're in the top three of the. Of
1: and are Mac. are you are you personally a Mac user yourself, Vahe? Uh,
0: I'm not, but uh, we're a WordPress we're a WordPress fan, so they're on WordPress, so we're going to be looking at the website as a result.
1: So. Absolutely. So uh, you're going to be hearing it directly from the source of two people who are not into the Mac world as much as you who are listening to this, but let's dive on in and uh, I'm excited to tear down the website directly with you. So one of the first things that we obviously see here at the top is uh, there's a lot of different topics, right? So they break it down into their silos. So if people want to understand more about the iPhone, iPad, Apple watch, right, they can get into their, uh, silo of information, which is quick and easy to be able to understand. And then they've of course got that bar of the hot topics right? Uh, Some of the other things that are going to be more of the latest trend, such as the Vision Pro that has recently come out, which a lot of people are going to be interested about. And that's going to be more of a one-off, right? It hasn't earned its position up top. And then, uh, of course, we've got the English edition. So it looks like they have a few different uh, languages, I would imagine.
0: Yep. They've got uh, UK, English, and Spanish. So they've even factored in uh, English targeting that isn't... Because sometimes what publishers might assume is that just because you're on a .com, you can target both UK and English, but it seems like they, they generally also want to target UK as well. So that yeah, they've set up themselves for that. And then the Spanish.
1: That makes sense. Could you click on the um, English UK one, and does it go to a .co.uk as far as the URL extension? No. Okay. Is it's forward example, slash but... forward slash en dash gb? Okay. So it's still on the same exact site, uh, but. I would wonder how much of the content changes and shifts because the product releases might be slightly different directly in the UK versus the product releases that are going to be coming out, maybe in the States. Um, So that'd be an interesting thing to also explore um, how much content has adjusted from one to the next. Uh, If we just scroll down, uh, how much of their content is going to be fueled directly by ads i'd be curious so we've got the one ad on the right hand side what other ad spots we've got that big airplane ad choice that's showing up so some programmatic yep. advertising that's showing
0: Yep, i'm curious to see as well what the ad density is as well so let me just quickly uh fire that up yeah so generally let's uh i can use a, a experiment called add ad density and that can really give us a good indication of whether or not the viewport density has been over 30% or not. Um, this uses the IRB standards to assess whether or not there's been any interruption to the user experience, which is going to be very important.
1: Absolutely. And we got to be thinking about you know core web vitals and everything along those lines. If there's a, a lot of CLS that's happening when the ads are loaded, um, this yes. is a great plugin uh, to be aware of. So anybody who's listening to the podcast is directly on Google Chrome, your browser extension. And it is just called ad density. Um, there is no space between the ad a d and the density b e n s i t y. Um, so it will give you a wealth of information when you're checking out different websites, um, specifically publisher sites that have advertising as part of their uh, revenue generation model. So what do we find in here, uh, Vahe?
0: We can see here that it's, tw- it's they're almost hitting the maximum, uh, 26%. It's fluctuating between. Thirty to sixty percent, because particularly the right-hand side corner is um, overtaking a lot of the. There's not as much content, and there's there's this block, there's the block between the article, there's the right-hand side, and then there's also the ad layout at the bottom. So, particularly with the homepage, they they're pretty much because they're, they're probably getting the most traffic to this page. They're trying to really maximize the monetization for that, so it is uh, mm-hmm. causing high ad density, which might be intrusive to the user experience.
1: Okay. And what would happen if somebody goes over that 30% mark in their ad density, what would happen if somebody has like, let's say 40% ad density, what would that do negatively directly for the website itself?
0: Look, I mean, there's not, uh, this is is all correlation, right? We we can't say like, if you go across this percentage, then it's going to cause this automatically, but we've seen particularly I've seen as well, particularly where there's been other ad networks where. They've, when they've ever done that and there's been the helpful content update that it does um, definitely uh, result in a drop in some of the rankings because of the perceived quality of the content and and how users interact within the page as well that purpose sticking effect that maybe people might have with some um, jumping on the page and going back and maybe that's not also, also uh, that perceived irrelevancy might um, determine that the content quality isn't as good so um, Yeah, it's always going to be a balance between maximizing my revenue with ad layouts and getting people to the direct articles and and, um, destination that they they want to go.
1: Yeah, so that's a very important point. So if you're thinking about starting a publication website yourself or if you're a publisher, right, um, there's always these rules of thumb. And one of those rules of thumbs that's a big takeaway is ad density, right? So if you haven't heard that term before. Be conscious of it. So keep your ad density to less than 30%. That's the rule of thumb that's learned here. Otherwise, you're going to negatively hurt your user experience. And any search engine, regardless if that's Google, Yahoo, Bing, right? They care about ensuring that the websites that they're ranking high organically within their search traffic is going to be good for user experience. So that rule of thumb, if it's over 30% ad density, you're gonna give yourself, as far as the users visiting your site, a negative ad or na- negative experience on your site. So a uh, great rule of thumb and a good call out. Thanks there, Baha.
0: No worries. Let's Let's dive, let's, let's get let's dive. Further, I think we mixed up. We saw the, um, there was a feature that we saw here. I think it was called the AI. What was it again? The AI search.
1: Oh yeah, there's a little search functionality. Let's go back. It might we are on the UK edition, so it might only be on certain editions, right? Um with all of anything in Europe, you've got a lot more stringent laws when it comes down to GDPR. Privacy around data. So there's some experiments that actually take place in different markets. So if you are in the process of going through and you are serving a worldwide audience, as you're doing different experiments, it might be something that uh, you are paying attention to in order to be able to get the most. So here it is right on the screen. It's called Smart Answers for Mac World, and it is an AI-powered search functionality. So if we click on this little uh, eye indicator, what does it tell us about it?
0: They're trying to create a, a experience where, yeah, basically they're gathering a lot of different types. Of, like typically in the search results, they only show like the list of article results. But um, which we will see now as we use it ourselves, they in, uh, they are using a bunch of not only articles but the different products and other contextual information that can give them the best answer using uh, generative AI.
1: That's amazing. So So one thing that's great to see as far as a publisher is that Macworld, even though they've been around for so long, publishing so many stories that they're diving right on in, right? Uh, You don't see AI powered search functionality on that many websites as of yet, even though AI has been around for a while, but it's made a big splash, right? Over the course of the last year. So it's great to see that they're using the latest trends. So let's do a a little search, right? Um, What what are you interested about uh, that comes to mind that you would like to learn more about that we'd like to test out the search on the page.
0: Jeremy, I want to throw back to you because you're the newest um, Mac user amongst us. So what's been some of the friction points that you've experienced when trying to get used to your Mac book?
1: Yeah, so one of the the biggest things that uh, I needed to get used to um, was the ability to be able to drag and drop windows. And I like to be able to throw a window, and it would pick up half of the screen. So that was something on a Windows that I was uh, very used to. And another one is I needed to adjust some of the keyboard shortcuts. Um, The command versus control tab uh, were two things that took me a little bit of time in order to be able to get used to that I'd be curious to see what what they say. on Macworld? Do they have any intelligent answers? Is, is AI useful enough in order to be able to give me the directions that I need to be able to make some of these adjustments to dive deeper into the Macworld myself and being an Apple user? And the thing is, I've been an iPhone user forever, right? Uh, ever since I, the original iPhone came out. Um, but uh, the Mac computer, let's see what they say about changing some of the keyboard shortcuts.
0: So we've got the same challenge challenges with the Ad density being a bit too too strong but yeah okay so it's giving us a gonna zoom out a little bit just because of the ad experience okay it's giving us a direct answer and it's providing us some citations so they've, they've got a few posts i believe so one around this one the funny url okay so useful mac mac ops keyboard shortcuts to help you work faster let me just quickly jump back and see what the actual answer was to see the relevancy of that. The change keyboard shortcuts is different ways of doing that. This is how you go to this step. It's interesting. Um, what do you see? How do you feel like the, the results are? The answers are from this based on your experience with changing shortcuts. Is this accurate for you or do you feel like that? Is this too generic?
1: It's too generic. I mean, uh, I, we did ask a very specific question. Um, I think let's let's scroll down and see if it gives me any other helpful articles or anything. I think it's going to be very hard for it for AI to generate what I want to change. So what else does it have down below? So
0: for the prices and deals for a keyboard, which is interesting. All right. The article results as well.
1: Trying to sell me a keyboard. All right, there we go. Some affiliate income coming in there. Yeah. Always good from publisher standpoint. Exactly. All right, and so then it nice. has a whole bunch of related articles that are being shown up underneath and then related questions to explore. And then I could also ask a, a follow-up question, right? So uh, similar to a, a chat GPT experience, right? You can continue to interact directly with the AI. Um, so yes, it, it's very likely you know that they are utilizing the OpenAI um, API here in order to be able to learn a little bit more and have the interaction through Macworld. So um, let's let's try. I don't know if you remember that exact same thing that you searched, but I'd be curious now if we go back to their generic search. Does all of their search interact with AI? Because I know there was another search functionality at the top of the page, or does the search functionality at the top of the page have different types of results?
0: Okay, so there's auto suggest that's coming up already to change okay. keyboard shortcut.
1: So that's also an important thing, right? If uh, you're having a search functionality that can be helpful um, tips to be able to provide the user some uh, results. So now when we're on this search results page, so it seems like there's two different search functionalities that are happening here, right? Uh, Which is interesting. Uh, Interesting. So this looks more like just a generic search result that's going to be very similar to a Google web search experience uh, that is showing up. so they're not it's Google
0: using AI. Yeah, it's the, it looks like it's the Google custom search engine functionality.
1: Okay. So yeah. that, that'd that be one thing that we, I'd say, you know, missed opportunity. If you're testing out AI and it's just a, a temporary test for your search results, you probably get more uh, data more quickly to see if it's useful or not Um, to change all of the search areas of your site into utilizing AI. But maybe this is a, a simple A-B test that they're doing, right? And that could be, be good as well in order to be able to see, you know, are people just not getting the quality of the search that they want from their AI enhanced search versus the more standard and generic search. But uh, yeah, uh, good to be able to compare both uh, on this site. You want to dive back into some of the tools? Let's let's see kind of uh, kind of the history of this site. How long has it been around? Let's see some of the traffic, the rankings that they've got. That'd be really interesting to see as well.
0: You know me. I like going back and uh, figuring these things out. So, um, okay, let's let's look at again. Let's validate the fact that there are top publisher in the uh, Apple and Mac publishing space. So, we're looking at similar web. I mean, it seems like the all, the general industry is a bit more quieter during this public year because um, mm. there's uh, you know the the Mac book uh, sorry the Apple that typically takes place in September. It's probably tapering a bit after its peak. So. I think that's expected You be seeing all the competitors go down. But yeah, they're, they're in the top three for sure because they're almost on the same page as 9 to 5 mac and above them is just Mac Rumors and you know, there's there's the other sites like that, uh, like Apple Insider that also covers that. So probably other niche sites are less traffic in there and then PC Macs would be too general to compare against, but they probably Absolutely. have a Mac section and that's why they're coming up in this benchmark with similar web now.
1: Yeah, and so we a good amount that. of traffic. So those numbers you were just talking about, those are uh, approximately number of users who are coming to the site each month, right?
0: Correct. Yeah, exactly. So this is, and this um, screenshot from SimilarWeb, which, which is a competitor intelligence tool, that it's a freemium tool. Uh, you can just get a top-level loaddown down of some of the uh, benchmarking that they're doing themselves here. You can see some of that uh, initial information here but then it's a bit more costly. You can buy a subscription and see a lot more deeper data that's showing in here. But yeah, I mean, we, we, we can definitely validate that it's a, a top um, niche performing website. Absolutely. What sort of, yeah, I mean, so I'm going to jump on to Ahrefs, which is a more SEO uh, search. Sorry, it's an SEO competitor research and backlinking tool. It's, you know, SEO is the core of what I, I am my background is and what I do and we can see here that right so we saw that in uh archive.org. I won't jump around too much on the tabs just to make it a bit more digestible. But um we, we're seeing here the past five years, but they've been around since 1997 and the the ch- same the, yeah they've been around for a long time. Yeah. And we can see that relatively it's they have, they had the same traffic trends. All so
1: you're, you're looking, uh, for anybody who's just listening to the podcast, uh, we're looking around about a million or so hits to their website, back for quite a quite a stretch for, for many, many years. Uh, not a huge amount of spikes, uh, no big decreases, kind of just plateaued, just a little bit up, a little bit down uh, for many, many years. And it looks like there's a big spike that's happening on the graph. About what time did they see that spike in traffic?
0: Yes, yeah, so from, from April 2022 to June, July, uh, they saw the first uptick in the traffic from 941 to almost two and a half million to 2.3 million, that they then sort of plateaued for like they went a bit up and down in that period. And then again, around that same period, they went from 2.3 up to I think, yeah, almost 4 million. So they almost doubled their traffic within those periods. and so. It's pretty that, interesting. That, then
1: the the last spike is happening in about a year later, right? In twenty twenty three. So the first one in twenty twenty two, and then uh, yeah, the the top of the the charts there is September twenty twenty three. So I mean, we're talking about doubling in the amount of traffic that was going on. And I'm just doing a quick search on my side as well, and it looks like around 2022, and there's a core Google algorithm update that took place between the 25th of May and June 9th, which looks like it kind of also corresponds with that. So I'd imagine having really quality content, more long-form articles also probably was a big helpful item that allowed them to be able to increase some of the traffic. You have any thoughts of what would have caused kind of a, a big, almost double of their traffic increase during some of those periods?
0: Yeah, they're forex in like pretty much one and a half years, and I guess we can. It, there's um pretty clear signs of what made that happen. Um, sorry, I'll go back to Macworld and I'll show you guys quickly. Um, now archive web. Okay. Uh, because that, that really that gives you a clear indication. I mean, there's two things that happened. I think the first thing as well was um they got bought out by Foundry. Mm, um, so their parent,
1: the, company Foundry. The parent company is Foundry.
0: Their parent company is Foundry. And I think that also led to a change in the direction of the strategy to um, focus more on Evergreen and um, on on a lot of the deals content that they have. So I want to quickly show everyone that's watching the video the changes of their website during that period. And then um, we'll try our best as we can for our podcast listeners to articulate this as well. But when you look at 2022, We look at around April before they actually made the change, before that sort of uh, uptick happened. We saw on Mac.World now how they have – let me just let this load.
1: And one of the things just for everybody who's listening to this, this is going to be utilizing uh, a free tool. Anybody can utilize it. Uh, It's on archive.org. It's called the Wayback Machine. So think of it as a time machine that actually exists. It's a time machine that exists directly for the internet. So if you want to see anything that was published, a previous version of a site, you'd be able to actually see what that website looks like at that particular date and stamp that is on archive.org. So it's a free tool. Go check it out. It's absolutely amazing. Uh, If you want to do some internet sleuthing and pretend you're a detective for some time, it's it's a lot of fun.
0: Indeed. No Thanks for that, Jeremy. So you can see here that you can see how uh, fundamentally different the navigation is and and sort of what the emphasis is on. So uh, what I think has really changed quite a bit is, um, you know, it's the way that they've realized the strategy in terms of the product launches and how to utilize that. And then also incorporating evergreen content to really grow their traffic. So you can see here that during twenty twenty two before all that stuff happened, they just generally had random links in the Hot Topics section where it's what it's called now with the best Mac activities to maybe give it some juice. But when you look at the new section now, you can see it's a lot more organized. You can see that even on the top menu navigation versus this one where it has some generic names on some categories, they've gone and more intentionally categorized their content. And even when you go to the best picks as well, um, they've gone through and started to list a lot of their best product listicles. So they've really delved into their e-commerce, a lot of the content for e-commerce. Um, so that's one thing. And then I'm just jumping back into Trust now, just to show our uh, video listener, sorry, our podcast video listeners as well, the change in the trajectory as well. So we know that Apple typically launches their new products around September, So we know that there's a editorial cycle that you need to go through to So by the time that the traffic peaks around the new announcements because it's typically leaks that happen in the months beforehand. And so that it seems like from April to that period, they've progressively worked on core evergreen content and just continue to update that and um, really trying to prime that content to, to maximize the visibility. So for example, iPhone 15 release date, well, when is ISM, ISM coming out? So there's there's a bunch of Evergreen release date content features that they might have an initial article around, and they keep expanding and expanding upon it. They'll cover they'll cover a lot of um, different angles around around the subject around the, the launch of a product. So it might be an announcement around the price hikes. Maybe they initially announced the price hike around this amount, and then they're changing that before the event. And you can see how very much there's a seasonality to that as well. Um there's even And, that and that's a hard
1: thing, right? Uh, if you're in a very product focused industry to create evergreen content, but it's an important thing for any publishers listening, right? You don't want to necessarily create just one piece of content and just say, hey, that's it. It's done. You can actually go through and you can update that content, right? And that update is a new signal that that's been something fresh. And those signals directly to search engines can make a big difference directly into your actual traffic numbers. So maybe just like you're saying, Bahia, you might have found a great thing. They might have just published an article previously, not really made updates. And now they're really making it more evergreen because they're saying, hey, let's make some changes, make it updated, make it fresh. Um, so, yeah, that's a great call out.
0: Thanks for that, Jimmy. I think the other all, – I'm all, uh, sorry, the other – Secondary lesson to as well is around the clusters and really planning, whether it's news clusters, whether it's evergreen clusters as well, all the different angle as, uh, aspects or angles that really help build up like, the key categories, like all these topics here. So like you can see here that, for example, on the current version of the website, they have Apple mini seven, iPhone 16. So they're going to, we're going to see probably in the next couple of months, a buildup of that similar content that we saw for iPhone 15 um, happening. And so that's a lesson that you can also go back into competitive tools like this to really give, inform you on the kind of content that's going to work. So whether it's like the difference between various products, uh, iOS updates, um, prices, all these different aspects, or, or even the question, when is this coming out, and factoring that into your into your content refreshers and going back and constantly updating the pillar content to update that as new news content comes, uh, news updates come about, you can anticipate much of this and, and ensure that you have success because it's like you, like you said, Jeremy, right? It's it's pretty competitive. It's not Apple. A lot of people cover um Apple and iPhone news, and and sort of being able to really get ahead of that is gonna what's and sorry as well for our, our video watch listeners and watchers. Um, you can see KD metric from Google uh, from AHS, Trust, which is their measure of how difficult it is to rank. For a topic slash keyword um, zero being easy hundred being very hard you know it's not that easy to to really rank for these terms like it's already like above 60 for many of these topics and so yeah you can see here as well apple iphone 15 or if i even look at iphone 16 it might not be competitive now because there's not much demand for that search but as it builds up it's going to become more competitive so you get ahead you identify these new searches, you build up the traffic that way, and then you you got to be above above the pack once it actually comes out.
1: Yeah. I mean, there's a, a wealth of insight you can learn from all of these different tools. So, yeah, it's great being able to dive in and uh, really see behind the curtains, if you will.
0: Yeah, absolutely. But I think as well, like, we know that that's a good growth strategy, but we can, you know, frankly, see that this has been a bit of a dip that's happened post- September as well, Jeremy. So I think that also would uh, be great. Let's to talk about the monetization side of, of their website because I think that's going to be a key factor to really um, help publishers shift their focus on how to do this same thing, but in a new search a generative experience world, a new search world that's happened since September. Um, so yeah. And
1: and that decrease, uh, that decrease is quite significant, right? It's like a mountain is what we're looking at on our screens uh, An increase going for about a million up and then an increase going about a million down as far as traffic numbers on a monthly basis. So right now they're sitting back about 2.1 million average That's- organic traffic results, which is similar yeah. to what they were all the way back in 2022 uh, of June. So. Yeah, um, some increases, what goes up must come down. Uh, and that's obviously not something you want to look at in your analytics, right? That's not a very good place to be if you're um, heading the publishing arm directly of macworld.com. So yes, uh, it's time to be able to make some adjustments. And so what have you seen that um, some content publishers have been doing that have been really more focused in on you know 2024 and beyond as far as what's working in today's day and age?
0: Correct, so... I think there's still publishers that are doing a lot of the same same things now. So what, particularly in September, Google, did uh, they rolled out a fundamental change in their algorithm, which they factored in the helpful content update, called the helpful content update, and that's um, factoring in expertise, experience, authoritativeness, and trust. Um, so they're trying to incorporate a lot more of the first perspective uh, aspects of of when the content and so traditional publishers what they'll do is um they found out the strategy that we spoke about and they'll just go until the cows go home like in terms of publishing a lot of this type of content uh and maybe maybe their editors haven't tested that content before or they haven't the way that they're writing is very thin content but because their legacy publishers like i.e macworld they could have gotten away with it in the past now they can't so you know, we're not saying that you don't do this type of content now, but you have to really think about how to um, go beyond just providing basic listicles to provide real value to your audience and, and show your expertise. So, for example, um, with, with um, the I could tell you some things that they're not doing as best now, and then we can go through some other examples um, on what other sites are doing well, i.e., seeing that we can show some examples of. Seeing that, um what they're doing well so like we can see here that at the moment with this example of this article they're mostly just um, yeah they, start, they started to do well in terms of incorporating changing the writing to the first language um, we can't see anything in terms of disclaiming how they actually go about um, testing these products a lot of the other sites uh, they would go through and articulate that in terms of policies um, Sorry, sorry, everyone. Let me let me just bring up that example, so there might be.
1: And one of the things, while you're bringing up this other example, is they've integrated AI search. So who knows? Around that same time, maybe they're starting to play around with AI generated content, right? And a lot of publishers are playing around with AI generated content, and it is an experiment, right? Um, But Google and the other search engines, they might pick up on it, and they might actually put that as a lower. Quality piece of content. So they might actually derank some of those items. So that could be taking place behind the scenes. Uh, we don't know, um, but uh, they are obviously experimenting with AI. So that might be another thing just uh, for consideration.
0: Yeah. And sorry. But, uh, that's why I, I'm, I'm sorry. That's why I switched my example from Cine to this one because uh, Cine actually got flagged for that as well. But um, to give you an idea, he, uh,
1: and so now we're on uh, PCMag.com, uh, just PC checking Mag. out this as far as uh, another competitor. And that competitor is not directly in the Mac space, but they have significantly more traffic, 25-plus uh, million hits to this site each and every single month. So they are an 800-pound gorilla in the publishing space around technology. Yeah, so
0: what can we learn from, from these 800-pound gorillas, I guess? Uh, you can see here that um, they do still have a lot of the affiliate linking or um, lists of the products but they're able to really classify why these certain products are pretty good in terms of the summaries that they produce so they're saying like for the best laptops this one is the best one for a lot budget this one's best one for business and so forth so they're immediately providing a lot more signals in from the beginning around that and you know they're they're not um, reducing any need need to uh, link to any affiliate deals and you, so that yeah any any of the strategies that they we're showing you here like we're not telling you that you can take away any of that and see so you can see already here that mm. you can trust our reviews see how editorial mission how we test that they bring a lot of these things at the top before they actually go down deeper and explain why the pros and cons are um there so more
1: of those trust factors they're putting into place as you were talking yeah. about
0: so you can see here rather, rather than we can see a little bit where we're just more. Yes, it's good that we have first party first hand ex, um, writing and language. We've got a lot more of the. Padded content here, they've just sort of embedded in here some related questions that's coming from the AI search, which might be useful, but we're not sort of there yet in terms of. um. Yeah, it's just a lot more padded information and content, so there's there's that aspect you see that they like you said they bring everything at the top and and then they're giving you links to directly to the individual products itself so you can go more deeper and and um and review that in deeper article that's another thing that other publishers haven't done like they'll just only link to the affiliate product to mm. the website right so and also right, what right. what also brings more credibility to this list as well as the fact that they are providing awards. A lot more publishers now increasingly creating their own certification uh, to many of these products as well.
1: Yeah, which always is helpful, right? Uh, Everybody likes that certification. And uh, instead of stars, in this case, what we would be looking at is the ranking. Uh, They're utilizing dots, so 4.0 excellence rating. Um, So it's really easy to be able to see. Everybody knows like five stars when you're in the process of looking for a restaurant. You're going to be judging, and you don't want to go to a two-star restaurant, so you're looking for a five-star. Same thing when it comes down to evaluating products online, right? You want to be able to do your research, compare different types of laptops, or what is the difference between an iPhone 15 versus an iPhone 16, same thing, so those reviews are really, really, really important. So, yeah, uh, a nice yeah. clean layout that uh, PC Meg is using across the board. So, uh, another would good that
0: you picked that, pick that up because, like we said, like, ad, um intrusiveness is definitely one aspect as well. That we saw so many sites sort of big down downward trend in September, those that had too much ad density, and you can see a lot of that content that we know people are just going directly and comparing the products now. They're providing more of the background information if they're ready to read more and and um understand a bit more about making a decision to put everything else at the bottom here. So, and then, then there's the summary table as well, again, just to reinforce.
1: And so it looks like uh, PC Meg is utilizing a lot more affiliate links than a Mac world. So that would be another comparison, right? If I was in charge of Mac world, as far as a comparison factor, I'd be looking at the revenue, how much revenue is actually being generated directly from the site from the programmatic advertising versus how much revenue is being generated directly from affiliate income that's linking off to different products. And if it's actually worth it to have so much ad density of that 26% as they do now, or if it would actually be a better user experience where they could increase the site traffic by people staying on the site longer, being happier with the experience of navigating around. And if they are, guess what? Then they could increase the amount of affiliate income that they're making. That's always one comparison that you have to do when you're in the publishing space. And so that'd be one thing um, we'll notice if I look at your tab and the Mac world. It's still constantly, there's a spinning globe at the top. So there's ads that are constantly being switched out. Constantly there's loading taking place. Um, and that's one of the things I noticed when I was actually navigating around the site uh, myself is I did notice some slow load times of just some very large blank spaces. And then there's ads uh, loaded later on after you know multiple five six seconds of being on the site and now i have really fast internet speeds at my place so uh, that's another thing that i i did take note of when i was navigating around myself
0: no absolutely i think that they're all very solid and very fair points jeremy so thanks thanks for adding to that as well
1: can we see um, uh on boundary.com um just last thing uh we looked at some of the articles, we looked at the homepage, we saw an AI search functionality. Um, Let's go into one of the categories. I'd just be curious if we would actually open up, you know, the iPhone category and then open up on the, there's a hamburger menu next to the Mac world. So I'd be curious to see what those look like. Like What is hidden in the other item underneath of here? So if we open that hamburger Mm -hmm. menu, so actually it repeats, right? So it's got Mac, iPhone, iPad, Apple watch, So that's an interesting thing to me, right? Um, Is there a need to repeat the navigation menu from the top and the left-hand side? I get on the hamburger menu, you're going to want to have that directly for your smaller mobile devices, but it seems a little bit redundant to have it both times, right? There's probably a better utilization of space of what they could have done with that hamburger menu um, if we're opening it up on the desktop experience.
0: Yeah, exactly. And I think the key thing as well is like, yeah, double linking, is that going to dilute maybe... A little bit more of the both the user experience and the priority of the site architecture as well. That can be something else as well, because you can see here, uh, sorry, on on the non-hamburger menu, how they've really tried to refine and optimize to sh- to prioritize the most important sections, which which I think has helped them see that four x jump from twenty twenty two to before September, and now we're seeing here pretty much they just want to try to add as as much as of the categories that they have on their website. So is this a good utilization of the page uh, or the section? Like, like you said, that's something that you need to question.
1: Yeah. No, interesting. Uh, I think that uh, there's some good insights and some tips that have been shared directly here. Anything else you want to kind of review or dive deeper into on macworld.com at the time being?
0: No, I think that's, sorry. No, I don't think at the moment
1: all right well that's a good breakdown so folks we hope that there's been a couple different takeaways that you've had directly from the episode again always think about anything that you're doing think about it from your user experience the better your user experience is going to be the happier they're going to be navigating around on your site and the better the quality of the content is going to be guess what you're going to get rewarded by not only happier users but when you have happier users all the search engines are going to reward that as well so quality content is always going to be something that's very very important It's never going to go away. That's never going to change. And a quality site experience. So take that away. Uh, Be conscious of the ads that you're actually loading on your site and what is actually making your site revenue. So uh, thanks so much, Bahay. This has been great uh, diving into Macworld, and I definitely learned some tips from you. So we hope that the, the audience learned some things as well.
0: Likewise. Until the next episode. See you guys later. Bye, everybody. Special thanks to our sponsors and co-hosts, Multidots, for contributing to the seven-part WordPress teardown series. Be sure to subscribe to future episodes at stateofdigitalpublishing.com and join us for a deep dive into our upcoming WordPress Publisher Success Week starting on February 26, by visiting stateofdigitalpublishing.com slash WP week. Until next time.